So this is the Well Brewed Podcast, where we share our 40 plus years of commercial brewing experience to help fellow beer lovers on their journey of building a brewery. Full disclosure, we own a brewery equipment business, but aren't here to sell you anything. This is truly about helping the industry we love. So g'day, welcome to episode one of the Well Brewed Podcast. My name's Lockie, along with my mates, Clemmy and Jake. Yo. We're drinking fresh local beer, chatting about building breweries. Now, being episode one, I think it's important for us to explain a little bit about what we're doing and why this podcast exists. So we all love fresh beer and think there's nothing better than the times we get to drink it. Collectively, we have more than 40 years commercial brewing experience and recognize that we're uniquely placed to help people who want to build a brewery. So in the true spirit of craft beer, we want to share as much as we can from our experience for free with the selfish goal of being able to drink more great beer more often. Now, to give anyone who's listening an introduction to who we are, let's spend a quick sec introducing ourselves and giving a summary of our relevant experience. Uh, Clemmy, do you want to kick us off? Hi, Ron. I'm Anthony Clem. So, started my brewing career back in the late 90s uh, with Guinness. Did a bit of a contract job with Guinness uh, in West Acton uh, before returning to Australia and um, starting in a more corporate role in the brewing industry, uh, working for Lion uh, down in Adelaide. And then uh, over my time at Lion, I did a fair bit of study with the IBD, um, Diploma in Brewing, and uh, moved on to Masters. Uh, I actually got in the, involved in the craft world through Napstein down in the Clare Valley uh, for a couple of years, but then moved back to more of a corporate role and then since then have been involved in uh, large and small uh, brewery installs from 8 hex to 100 hex. Um, And then after that, started a consulting business. So did that for a couple of years before well-brewed equipment became what it is today. Thanks, mate. Uh, What about qualifications? Yeah, so I've got a diploma in brewing through the IBD and half a master's in in brewing. I only did the brewing subjects. And you're a uh, chemist as well? Yes, I've got a degree in applied chemistry at QUT. Uh, so, yeah, got a, I guess uh, chemistry in brewing does have some significance. A little bit. Not a... Uh, a little bit. A little bit. A little bit. A little bit. Jake, what about you, mate? Do you want to? That's a perfect segue for me. Um, <laughs> so I'm Jake Benachek. I uh, did a master's in chemical engineering because that has some synergies with brewing. Um, and from there, um, I graduated around the time of the mining collapse and my promise of a six-figure salary evaporated. And with that, my interest in working for big mining companies and oil and gas. So um, I chucked that all to the curb and decided to travel and become a chef. Worked in chefing for a while. I was involved in a lot of hospitality startups. And they're only only small, weren't they? Yeah, they were Howard Smith Wharves and just small venues like that. Um, Then went from chefing um, into brewing because I wanted to get back into something more relevant to what I studied Um, and ended up working 
with Clemmy up at Cairns at Hemingways, and that was really the start of my brewing career. Um, and since then, um, basically transitioned from apprentice brewer to head brewer and got involved in designing and opening breweries. Um, so, yeah, that's been my career for the past, I don't know, 10 years. <laughs> Thanks, man. Um, so my name's Lockie Crothers. Um, I've pretty much always been involved in booze. I don't have any fancy qualifications. I'm more of a self-proclaimed cowboy or hack, whichever term you prefer. But um, I've been doing this a long time. I actually grew up on a vineyard uh, down south WA, so I spent my life handling wine grapes and then worked in retail liquor until 2010 when I started as an assistant brewer at Gage Roads over in the Wild West. Um, so I spent about five years there working through brewing, packaging and engineering departments through various roles and learned a heap um, about running breweries, etc. there and then uh, ended up spending a bit of time overseas and did some brewing in the UK at Camden Town making some really world-class uh, craft lagers and then moved back to Australia in 2016 to Brisbane where we built Ballistic Beer Co. So I was a founder in the group head brewer ballistic for six years and went from zero to five sites we were producing beer all over Queensland uh, and now ended up just working with these two rat bags about a year ago and uh, here we are uh, talking about building breweries so that's that um, what we want to do for this episode one what we'd like to do is um, uh, support local breweries I mean this is all about helping the industry so we what, the idea is we drink um, some local fresh beer every week. So Clemmy's got us some delicious treats. It was his turn off the bat. So what are we drinking today? Got this little Rebel Pale Ale that's uh, about three weeks old. So just uh, crack into this. Mm. I, now, I now have a lap full of beer. That's a good start. You took that one up a bit, did you, or it got warm? I took it out. We spent about an hour in the studio waiting for Jake to join, so it had a bit of time to warm up. But um, <laughs> look, I just also wanted to preface what we're doing to say that we always um, there's more than one way to skin a cat, and so everything we talk about in this and future episodes is all in, from our experience and what we've seen work and not work. It's by no means definitive or exhaustive, um, but just what we've seen and what we've experienced. So moving on from that, I mean, we're going to kick off uh, this 10-part series. We're going to do a deep dive on uh, 10 uh, separate things that we think you should consider when you're building a brewery. Um, and the first one is, is business model. So choosing a business model, brew pub or wholesale, or a combination of the two. Um, so Clemmy, do you want to kick us off on that and give us your thoughts, um, about choosing a business model? Really good place to start is just understanding where your revenue is going to come from. So I think a lot of us go into this process of, yay, we're building a brewery, uh, and it's going to be great. And I'm going to have this amazing lifestyle and you're going to, Build the next stone and wood. Yes, we're going to build the next stone and wood. Uh, so I think 
the best place to start is really understanding how you're going to generate your revenue. And there's a couple of different ways. So there's the brew pub model or there's the wholesale model, or there's a bit of a combination of the, of the two. So brew pub with a little bit of local wholesaling to just add another revenue stream. So if we start with the brew pub, the brew pub model has some great advantages in that, uh, the federal government are now giving artisan brewers $350,000 in, in, uh, excise rebate. It's pretty handy. A fairly good leg up to start. A- absolutely. It's a great leg up. It allows brew pubs who are selling beer essentially across their own bar to do, it depends on the mix. If you are doing a little bit of wholesaling, but you know, upwards or in advance of 200,000 liters. Would, would you say, Clemmy, that, um, it's something that we advise some of our clients about is actually trying to build your business model around that excise rebate um, because it's such a powerful thing and, and maximizing it just allows you to um, utilize that and to be ultimately more profitable. Absolutely. Excise pay plays a significant um, part in the cost of goods. If you look at, a carton of beer, I think a 24-pack is around 18 bucks or something in excise. So if the higher your alcohol, obviously, the more excise you're going to pay as well. But if you've got a if you've got a rebate, we're probably going to sell, you're probably going to sell in Queensland and Australian climate, you're going to sell between three and a half to five percent beers. So you know, reasonably speaking, a couple of hundred thousand litres is not out of the question across your bar. If you're selling a couple hundred thousand litres of beer at full margin across your bar, so in general you're making beer for, say, worst case scenario, $2 a litre and selling it for, say, $20 a litre or you know, 8 or $9 a schooner, then it's pretty good you're making going. good margin. If you can keep your overheads down in the, in the venue, uh, and your rent at good rates. So I think recommendation is around that 10% of ongoings. Uh, you, you can have a very good business model. So I think if you don't want to grow and be the next Stone of Wood, that's not a bad place to be and, and build your community around your, uh, around your brew pub, potentially a good option. Option two, the wholesale model, is is great if you have an awesome marketing team. Uh, you've got deep pockets and you can handle a fair bit of overheads in point of sale, sales team, vehicles, travel, expenses, etc. cetera, uh, to build an amazing brand. That's another option. But it does, you need to be aware that there are significantly more overheads associated, significantly more people associated with that brand, that model. What do you, what do you feel like uh, in, with, with regards to that? How do you feel that, how feasible is that business model in a market that's so dominated at the moment by not only um, lots and lots of already established craft beer brands that got in the game early, but all the fake craft beer brands that 
Coles and Woolworths are putting out that make it look like make the craft beer section of the Dan Murphy's fridge already looked packed. Like what's the realistic um, feasibility that a, you can come in as a new brand off the street and dominate that space? I would say it's less feasible than than doing a brew pub. Doing a brew pub, the equipment needs to be you, – you, you, you're paying less capital, there's less total – outlay uh, and capital investment in that brew pub model than there is in the wholesale model for one. But the marketing prowess for me is something you need to have spot on. I mean, Omex, I've come from big brewing and so I've seen lots of crazy marketing ideas. Some are awesome, some are not so awesome. You really need to have a brand and a marketing and the whole picture the story all together uh, in order to be successful in that wholesale world. And I mean, I'm not saying you can't do it because there's been some recent examples uh, and I'm not sure we really want to call them out on this podcast, but there's, you know, likes of Bolter and and your mates, for example, are doing are doing very well and they've got probably now a predominant wholesale model and they've done exceptionally well yeah but there are certainly pitfalls and you do need some deep pockets and some good investors i would suggest to be able to to really pull that off and be successful but marketing is key i mean we can make we all know as a group i think that you can make amazing quality beer if it's not marketed correctly you won't sell you won't sell thanks clemmy i think like we've spoken a fair bit about like brew pub on its own and the wholesale model on its own. Like, um, could you just give us a little bit of a rundown on like the hybrid and something that's in between? Yeah, so I think this is probably the progression from pure selling, pure brew pub model, selling beer only across your bar, is bringing in bringing in a contract canner uh, to be able to produce, you know, maybe two or three or four of your core brands put them into can and then just put them in your own fridges in your bar and just get takeaway sales happening. I mean, that, that, the idea of that is it's one, it's another revenue stream because, you know, we've got heavy rules in Australia around drink driving. So people might come into your bar for one or two, but might want to take a few home on a Friday night. So I think it's a great way to extend uh, the costs that people are spending in your bar and it builds on your brand. So I would suggest that's a good place to start. And then maybe if your brand is growing from those in-house sales that you sell a few wholesale kegs to some of your, your local pubs and that's just building a community around your brew pub so that you know they can go and catch up with mates at another pub, but still be able to enjoy one of your beers. And when they want to go to the spiritual home, they head back to your brew pub. So two separate other revenue streams that I think are worth doing in the brew pub model. So I guess what I'm hearing, like there's probably two functions to that is doing some wholesaling for a brew pub. So one is like the takeaway through your venue, which would be like the, you know, an upsell, take a four pack after you've had a couple of beers. 
Would you like fries with that? Um, yep. Or seeing it like building that community, but then also as a, like a marketing tool. So you may not be making huge margins Absolutely. on a uh, product you're selling to the bar down the road or the bottle shop down the road. Yeah, similarly aligned uh, venues. Yeah, 100%. I kind of want to establish, um, and Lockie, you might be able to shed some light on this with your experience founding Ballistic. Um, but like, so we're talking about these these models. So what, what do you think, uh, like, you know, some generic rules of thumbs or some volume splits that kind of define the two business models and where do you see pitfalls in in the overheads associated with that? Yeah, sure. Well, look, there's <laughs> brew pub to wholesale. There's kind of, there's this term that we talk about in the industry is called the valley of death. So it's kind of when you go from this 200,000 litre-ish uh, per year brew pub that's doing pretty well and it's reasonably, possible, reasonably profitable. Sorry, I've only had half a beer. And then you go through this growth stage that um, between about 200,000, and it's different for every brewery because the cost base are different, but 200,000 and a million litres really um, is what we call the valley of death because it's really your cost to produce goes up because you need to build a team, you need to invest in equipment, you need a bigger footprint to do that, but you're not, you don't have the economies of scale to have a profitable model again. So it's really... And it can take you a year, it can take you multiple years to get up out the other side. And that's where you then start to get uh, profitable again. So it's something to really consider that if you are going to pursue a wholesale model, you need to get up to that probably around that million litres a year as quick as you can because it's going to cost you a lot of money in the meantime. And is that, um, is that also being inhibited a bit by this excise rebate? So at the smaller end, it's now cheaper to produce as soon as you exceed that excise rebate. Mm. Um, is that like a kind of a problem for those breweries that are trying to make that transition? 100%. Yeah, it's really hard actually. And so we, um, I sort of see this happen when the excise rebate came in and it's fantastic that, you know, the, the government are recognising beer as, as an industry in the same way they do wine. But um, I think one of the effects that it had that was unintentional is that this mid-size regional brewery becomes a slightly uh, harder model um, to make financially viable because it becomes more competitive because everyone who's in the brew pub space can afford to pay a contract canner however much they're being charged on top of um, their higher cost to produce but because they're still under the excise threshold they're not paying the excise on that carton of beer so you actually see four packs of beer from brew pubs out in trade at the same price or less than someone who actually has more economies in scale, which means that in, when you're in that weird middle ground as a regional, even if you're over the million litres, you still don't have the economy scales that the big boys have, um, mm. you know, the Bolters and the Stone and Woods of the world, who yeah. just are massive and are producing heaps of beer and for a low-cost base. So you can't compete with them on price. And then all of a sudden, everyone you were beating in wholesale or weren't competing with you in wholesale is now in the same playing in the same space. It becomes really challenging. So um, I think the point there is that back to Clemmy's point about marketing and branding, it's so important that if you're going to dive into the wholesale market, you need to be doing something different 
you need to have very deep pockets and you need to be able to compete and grow very rapidly. Yeah, so that range is what you're saying is from about the excise threshold, which is what, about 200,000? Yeah, let's say two, 200 to 250,000 litres, depending on... To up is. over a million, which is quite a, quite a big range. Yeah, that's right. You can see what some people are starting to do, uh, and that's play in both spaces to some extent while they're in that growth phase. So if mm. you've got a great tap house associated with your wholesale brand, um, and you're doing volumes through your tap house, or you, you know, and that's associated with your brewery space, then brilliant. Uh, the other option is to grow, go and grab a few other um, spaces that you can shift your own beer through and reduce the. Uh, like satellite tap rooms. Yeah, like satellite tap rooms. So if you're doing that, then you're at least making great margin, which you then can afford your excess to pay some excise on. Um, and that's that's probably gonna be the model that I would suggest is uh, reasonably successful in getting you through that valley, valley of death. So if you're gonna be able to get through that valley of death, you certainly need a another revenue stream that you're making really high margin on to, to support just the, the, the cash flow. So is that, you, what you're saying essentially is that your brew pub and your satellite tap rooms basically subsidize your growth and like the expansion of your overheads to pave the way. If executed well, I guess the point of that is that buying a canning line and some more fermenters to grow volume is cheaper than buying multiple brew pubs, I guess. So, yes. I mean, there's the cash comes into that. Uh, the other point I'd like to make is skill set. Actually, running and operating a brew pub is a very different skill set to running and operating a wholesale brewery. So yes. that probably needs to be considered if you're looking at building a brewery is that what are your skills and where do they lie and where do they best apply? Because when you're a brew pub, you've got food trucks or kitchens and chefs and uh, hospitality and service to manage as well as making beer. And then in a wholesale, you've got logistics and sales teams and you know, probably dollar, much bigger revenue numbers and the business management side of things is much greater as well as your quality and your uh, distribution and packaging, you know, like there's very different skill sets. Running venues isn't easy either. So you need to have the right, you definitely need to have the right people in there to make that work. But I think as you can see, the margins are good if you're making your own beer. Yeah. So the other thing, the other point I was thinking about was capital investment. Um, so maybe Jake, if you got some ideas, um, just about just not ongoing running costs, but just to set up to get from like business plan to open for like an average brew pub. Well, maybe give us a range, you know. So let's do brew pubs first. So what you would say the cheapest you've seen it done for the average, and then maybe the highest for cash to build a brew pub. So there's definitely a bit of a range because it depends. Like, I guess a lot of it depends on this trade-off that you have between, like, your site and how big your site is and how close it is to a high-density population that's going to keep your brew pub thriving, it, that you're not dependent on transient trade trying to get out to where you are. Because mm -hmm. um, if you can pick up a cheap site, you, I've seen people open for 
potentially like 500 to seven. It's probably in this day and age, it's probably more closer to 700, 650, $700,000. Yep. Um, and that's your kit, your bar, your fridge, your cool room, your council, um, uh, consultants. Yeah. All of those expenses rolled in. All your trades, everything from like idea conception to doors open, right? Um, But that gets you out in an industrial estate that's somewhere on the outskirts of a major city, Mm -hmm. Um, which can still be quite a good business model. There's lots of Mm -hmm. places around residential areas that um, have turned into little thriving community hubs and is in no way a bad place to start a brew pub. No, absolutely. I think we should dive into that maybe another episode about location and site selection. It could even be next one. Yes, yes. Oh, there's so many things we can dive into on the finer points of site selection. But what about like cost, like average and then high-end cost of brew pubs building? So average, I would say the average would be between that eight to 900,000. So you've got a slightly nicer furniture budget. You've got a Python instead of direct pour. You've maybe paid an architect. You paid an architect to do a little bit of designing to make your space a bit nicer. Mm -hmm. And then um, I've seen some uh, installs completely blow out. I don't know. Like for a million, you can probably get a pretty good deal in a really nice brew pub. Mm -hmm. Um, But I've seen some that just you don't do your due diligence. You don't... uh, lock in your trades the trades blow out you make you you don't have a final plan um and that's when your costs really start to blow out like Mm. you really shouldn't have to spend much more than a million to get a really nice brew pub and i know i'm I'm chucking around a million like it's a yeah yeah. nothing number but um that's that's the price let's say for example that you spent two million what would be the benefit over the guy that spent one million? It's piss poor planning right. leads to piss poor performance. So, so you think that project management it goes as long as far yes. into saving you money as as um, anything else? Yeah, because like even if you double the price of the equipment, that's not going to step you up. A million. Yeah, if you got a hundred dollar chair versus a fifty dollar chair, you're not going to get more bums on it. The 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 largest cost in brewery installs is labour. Mm-hmm. Like it's not the cost of the cable tray; it's the cost of the hours that Sparky had to spend putting that cable tray up there. Sure. Let's talk about production sites then. So you want to start a brewery that's going to be out of the valley of death. So we want to plan to do a million liters to start with future expansion. You almost need to have a million dollars in your marketing budget. Okay, but what? Let's let's forget marketing. Let's just go capital investment. Cold hard, cold hard equipment. Um, you're probably looking like brewery equipment alone. You probably stop step up another um, two hundred thousand, and that's just a case. So, say you can get a a reasonable twelve hectolitre brewery for what about three fifty Australian? <laughs> about right. Yeah, um, but you're going to be brewing probably, a million litres on a 12-heck. You probably want a 25. No, no, no. So a 25-heck is probably going to step you up to about 500,000 Australian. Yeah. Um, and that's the cost of that is reflected in like, you know, you're upgrading the size of every pump. You've added a couple more brewing vessels. 
you've added more fermenters to match your dream million um, liter output. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got a bigger boiler. You've got bigger pumps, bigger valves. Everything's been upgraded. So that's mm-hmm. that two hundred thousand is directly proportional to that. You're using more steel. You've got more freight. Sure. Um, you know those sorts of expenses. Um, but the real kicker in that business model and what you need to set up would be the size of the site that you need to rent to do mm-hmm. it. And um, in a city, land is expensive, so you'll be out in the burb somewhere most likely. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably where you were looking at 400 metres for 400 metres to 600 metres squared for your brew pub, including your front of house venue. You're probably now looking in the realm of like a thousand meters square. Yep. I guess what I'm looking for is trying to get you to commit to a number. If I want to build a million yeah. liter brewery, I'm looking at one to one and a half million dollars just for a production site oh, to start. You could easily spend a couple of million, to be honest. Yep. Once, say, say you put all your brewery and your brew house together, it's a it's a very nice four vessel. Um, four vessels, you know, 25, 30 heck production system, um, you know, for something that's really reliable and going to handle your volume, you, you know, you're easily looking at that one to one and a half million once you've got enough vessels to, to do a million plus litres. So from there, you know, packaging equipment alone, depending on what you want to do with your pack side, mm. like... A decent quality six head can put you. It's another five hundred thousand. Yeah. yeah, it's another five hundred thousand. So, yeah, I think if you're looking at a production brewery with some decent packaging equipment, um, you're at two million without too much trouble. Plus, yeah, right. and that's not including the working capital that you need to have in your pocket to get it off the ground. Yeah, sure. The hardest part of that is not overcapitalizing because you've got to. You invest all this money, when are you going to get ROI? Like mm. when are you going to get to a point where you're selling enough beer in the market that the scale tips and you start to make money? Which comes back to rock-solid business planning, right, and having a good strategy. Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. And the other thing is probably not over – is not underestimating all of that. Mm. Having contingency in place, having – Investors who understand that ROI does not occur in one year for a production style facility. Yeah, you, you're looking at maybe two to three years if you want to really go down that wholesale path. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Which is probably the reason why the majority of people do do the tough slog through the valley of death. Mm. And it's hard. We've all been it's, there. Yeah, it's hard. So, okay, okay, so guess what we're saying here is on average in Australia, if you want to set up a brew pub, you can get away at maybe six or 700,000 and then up to maybe one, 1. 1.2 if you want to spend a bit more and get something flashier. And then both viable, both appropriate, just depending on what you're after and your business goals. And then if you want to set up something that's going to push you up over that million litres to start with uh, per year, in a production site, you're looking at two million plus just to get yeah. going. Okay. Yeah, I'd say that's a pretty accurate summary. 
Awesome. All right, guys. Well, we're at half an hour now. I wonder if maybe we should uh, wrap this up. I guess um, just for anyone listening, if there is anyone other than mum, hi, mum, if you're out there. Um, if you have any ideas of subjects, we've got a pretty good list of stuff we want to talk about and deep dive in. But if there's any ideas of stuff you want to hear about, specific questions, we'd love to do a Q&A. Um, you can hit us up on Facebook or Instagram. I think it's at Wellbrewed. Clemmy, is that right? At Wellbrewed, at yes. At Wellbrewed or email us at podcast at wellbrewed.com.au, W-E-L-L-B-R-E-W-D. There's an E missing in there, .com.au, podcast at wellbrewed.com.au. Um, just shout out to Matt for the wicked beers. Thank you. Um, and that's it. That's all from right. us.